no, no low cut tops because then it will be things about my breasts. And those are the things I thought were exhausting because I would get so frustrated and upset that if I wore the wrong thing, the content that me and the team had worked together on and were really proud of got overshadowed by how tight my t-shirt was. Hello and welcome to Soundproof, a podcast with me, Gav Murphy. I've been lucky enough to spend most of my career working in video games, which actually isn't that surprising given that men make up around 70% of the gaming workforce. But in this podcast, I want to find out what it's like for the women who have jobs in this male-dominated space. We've got some amazing guests lined up in the next few weeks, and first up is Holly Bennett, who, as well as being a fellow South Walian, also works for one of the biggest video game companies in the UK, Frontier Developments, and was also part of the absolutely massive PlayStation Access YouTube channel. I spoke to Holly about what it was like being the only woman in a big male team, as well as what happens when the biggest nerd gets her nerd credentials questioned. You used to be a midwife, and then how did you make the jump from midwifery into video games? Oh, that's like a long story. I basically... I was told, like, you don't, you don't go into games, you don't get a job in video games, right? Because I was, it was from a relatively small high school in Krakow. So, like, this girl being like, I love video games, it just didn't compute to, like, the guidance counsellor. So, they, so I was like, oh, okay, I, I guess I need to find a real job. So I went and became a midwife. And then while I was at university, I sort of discovered online gaming communities. And honestly, it was the first time I had ever met other people my own age that were into video games. Because like nobody in my class was. Like I was definitely the weird one. And um, I sort of got into this community, started doing stuff for them. It was a website called Destructoid, which at the time was huge. Yeah. Like, you know this. I could walk into any event, show a Destructoid business card, and doors just opened. Yeah. It was like the coolest website ever. Because it like had no real rules. It sort of ate itself alive in the end. It was sort of the uh, self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy. But I basically ended up without realizing it's sort of getting a CV together. And then one day someone was like, why are you still a midwife? Like all this stuff you do for this website, you could just go work in video games. And I was like, really? But then I went to a Bandai Namco event gave my business card to the European vice president, Bandai Namco, and just said, I want to do this for a living. Let me know if any jobs come up. They called me and were like, hey, let's meet for a coffee. Met for a coffee and they offered me a job. That's amazing. Consumer and community PR executive. That's it. That was it. I ran my parents and was like, I've got it. I've got the full-time job. It's not contract. It pays more than what I own as a midwife. I don't have to work night shifts, weekends. It's like, I'm going to do this now, mum and dad. And that was... 12, 12 and a half years ago. That's amazing. You just essentially made it happen. I love that. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's, a, it's a tough story to tell now because I don't necessarily think you can come in that way as easily as you could back then. Community management and like early doors PR, you sort of could hustle your way in if you sort of knew the right people. Now, even I've got to admit, a community, like an entry-level community job goes up. And I mean, the applications are you're inundated with people that have just as much experience as I had. Yeah. I sell the dream, but I have to also yeah. be realistic that that dream was 12 years ago and the industry has <laughs> changed a lot. That's a wild one. But yeah, because I knew you when you were back at Bandit Amco and then the huge move to like PlayStation Access, which is where maybe a lot of people listening like knew you from most I think because you were just like the main person yeah that was interesting so 
a lady I work with at Bandai Namco, and she's easily probably the best product manager I've ever worked with in the games industry. Uh, she's incredible. She sadly left the games industry now, which is actually a bit of a loss for us, if I'm being honest. She left and she called about three months later and said, look, this job's come up at PlayStation. You'd be perfect for it. It was actually social media manager. And just looking after PlayStation Access was part of it. Like I was not, I always said, I was not hired to be on PlayStation Access. But I took the job because I wanted, no, he doesn't want to go to PlayStation. Like it's this PlayStation. Yeah. So I took it, I got there. And then after a while, they sort of realized I did some on-camera stuff with Destructoid. I did sort of have a gift yeah. of gab. And they were like, oh, you know, if you could do this on camera stuff, we've only got to send one person to London for filming instead of two. It means that other person can get on with some other stuff. I was like, it's all right. Yeah, I'll do it if you want. Um, and then that eventually turned into the four of us work really well together as a team. And then eventually I sort of moved on to PlayStation Access full time, chasing people down the corridor for <laughs> getting what I needed for stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I was never hired to be on Access. The one thing I always got was like, oh, you know, they just hired you because you were a girl and you were like, mate, I wasn't even hired to be here. I mean, that's what's kind of what I was going to go and say is like, you know, you went into, you know, an all male channel in a very male dominated space. Like, was that a challenge for you? No, there had actually been women on PlayStation Access before me. Uh, it had a bit of a story. So there was two women working on PlayStation Access prior to me. There was a team of six before I joined. Right. And it wasn't really working. It was a weekly show on the PS store on PlayStation 3. Now, if anyone listening to this remembers the PlayStation 3, it wasn't the best thing in the world to navigate, especially the store. So no one was really watching it. It wasn't doing very well. And just before I joined, they were actually going to cancel PlayStation Access. What they had done is they had cut the budget in half and therefore cut the work team in half. And two of the people who had left were two of the women. One went on to have a, a different journalistic career. Another actually went to Yogg's cast at the time. So everyone was fine. And then somebody else just, I think, left and did something else at Future because it was with Future Publishing back then. And then that's when I joined and I was like, in my interview, I was like, this, this thing is, this is good. I reckon if you give me six months, I can turn it around. So actually I was coming on and most of when I started on Access, the comments were like, I prefer Kim, I prefer this other person. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. I guess what made it different is I walked into a team of three very understanding men. And, and I think it was Nathan who at the very beginning was like, it's a tough job for all of us. You're the only one who has to wade through a sea of misogyny to do it. So you've got this other level on top of which you're only getting because of your gender. And as soon as you've got teammates who understand that, I can't, they can't fix it. And they're not trying to shelter me or keep me away from any of it because that doesn't, you know, I have really strict policies on I think you should read the comments because I believe in moderation is the key to happiness. But just having a team of three straight white men who understand that I do the same job with an extra layer of difficulty means, all right, we're going to be good. They, they get it. It's all you need sometimes is people to understand that. You say like, that's all, that's all you need. I think generally some people, particularly like men, like don't understand that. I do a similar thing where I play video games on a YouTube channel and the free pass that I get, even when it comes to stuff like being rubbish at video games, if I'm rubbish at video games, people are like, oh, that guy's hilarious. Yeah, no. like, if a girl is rubbish at video games, it's like, right, she's got to go. Yeah, we had a lot of this. If I'm, if I'm going to be truthful, that was probably one of the, the tougher things was I couldn't make mistakes. 
I couldn't get it wrong. I couldn't be bad. I couldn't not have the knowledge. I had to be flawless in a way that my male counterparts would be forgiven or it would be funny or it'd be like, oh, Lolly's so useless. Genuinely, if it was me, it would have been, you know, hung, drawn and quartered because why is she there? I could not afford to make mistakes. I remember once we made a Destiny video and I think I mislabeled a shotgun, which is funny because I was a Titan who ran with shotties anyway. So like it really was a bad mistake on my part. I did know the right one. Got it wrong though in the video. Could I sleep that night? Like I just had to, you know, as soon as it was the morning, because we were on US time, I remember having to call back to the UK to be like, you're going to have to edit that video. That can't go live. I can't, mate, just because I've got the, I've named the four horsemen wrong. You don't understand, mate, the anxiety for that video to go live because I've mislabeled Destiny 2 Shotgun, which anybody else, it wouldn't have been an issue. Yeah, I, I think, I, I, I really don't think that enough men realize that as well. Like, because there are some people out there that just will not let you get anything wrong. Like, I, I've had thing, things in the past where I've said things in the wrong way. And, you know, it's like, oh, that's not that, it's this. Okay, cool, that's fine. Whereas that is just not the case when it comes to women. No, 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 no. They, 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 again, because they were so ready to assume that I was hired to be a token woman that the mistake almost reinforced that belief. Of course, they've, of course, it's three men and they've hired a woman for diversity. Of course they have. Which, as I spoke about previously, I was never hired to be on the channel. It was an evolution based off a skill set I had. So I wasn't hired to be on PlayStation Access. It ended up that way. But they're, they're ready for it. It would just, it would solidify what they believed if I then showed I didn't have the desired skill or knowledge. As you're saying it, it sounds so tiring. Oh, mate. These jobs are harder than people think anyway, because, you know, there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes than people realize. But at any point where you're just like, I'm just so tired of this. Like, because as you said, like you are held to a higher standard. Oh, it was like ridiculous things like, getting dressed in the morning. If I knew I was on camera that day, getting dressed took twice as long because, oh, you can't wear this, you can't wear that. I think I'm not going to E3 one year and I wore a skirt with tights, by the way, not bare legs, <laughs> but it is like 38 degrees in LA, right? Yeah. So I've worn a skirt. All the comments on the video are just about my legs. And it's you, and I just felt so embarrassed because I was with my colleagues filming the video and the content of the video just didn't seem to matter at that point because I had legs that was exhausting I was like mate I'm just trying to stay cool <laughs> like every other part of me like you know no low-cut tops because then it will be things about my breasts and those are the things I thought were exhausting because I would get so frustrated and upset that if I wore the wrong thing the content that me and the team had worked together on and were really proud of got overshadowed by how tight my t-shirt was the really annoying thing is is like the nerd knowledge that you have is overwhelmingly so yeah <laughs> like, like, we have this a lot on access where you know you do like q a's you know two hundred fifty thousand sub q a one of the questions would always be who's the biggest nerd and the oldest point is me it's holly yeah when you know your male counterparts are so willing to just turn around and go it's her just solidifies to the community you're like i'm genuinely here for a reason mate I'm, I'm the best person to be in this position
you sort of touched on it a little bit like you guys were a really tight group like whenever we'd see you at like shows or trips or anything like that like you guys were super tight like did you always feel supported by those guys yeah you know the first time we met we had an argument really i was the bandai namco pr and they were late for my appointment day four of gamescom no it was, yeah gamescom day four of gamescom we were exhausted so i was like they t- they finally turn up and i'm like you're late like you've missed your appointment and nathan snaps at me and walks away and I was like, just swore. And I was like, forget it, mate. Don't need it. <laughs> uh, he came back later, half an hour later to apologize and get a hug. But I think once you start off on that foot, you're going to be friends for life. I traveled the world with these guys. I remember again, coming back for me three, one year. And I weirdly developed the fear of flying out of nowhere. And I remember that turbulence was so bad that Nathan literally had to hold me and like stroke my head while the air hostess was like, yeah, but you want the chicken or the beef? <laughs> it's not that bad love. She's still serving. Well, Nathan's like stroking my head and trying to calm me down. I, you couldn't, I couldn't have felt more understood or supported. At a time when I was, you know, sort of transitioning, you know, I was coming out of being in my early 20s into that kind of, what's the person I'm going to be? And it's usually these experiences that will then shape you as you get older, right? So to think that those, you know, the defining years were shaped by three very kind, very supportive people. It helped me a lot. Is there anything that, that, you know, in particular that those guys were good at doing that you think is a good benchmark for other men who want to support women online and in their jobs and things like that? Was there anything in particular those guys did that you could sort of point towards? Yeah, this was a bit weird, but it worked for me, which was they were very much like trying to shield me, like don't read the comments. I'm like, no, I'm going in because this person needs to be called out. And we had a very good community, but it was the fact that they would let me express how I was feeling and listened right and this sounds so daft but like they must have heard a thousand rants from me about how mad I was about whatever idiotic either disgustingly sexualized comment down to outright misogynistic she's just there for to be hired as a woman token woman right and every time they listened with kindness and intent and were always like what do you want us to do about it? Do you want us to delete the comment? Do you want us to, or do you want to reply? What do you want to do? Right. That's all I needed was to feel heard by people who were genuinely listening and they were disgusted by what they were reading. So it it made me feel like I wasn't being emotional and I wasn't being, you know, precious. I felt very validated in my feelings by them. And for me, that's what I needed. I needed someone to listen and someone to validate because they weren't the type of men that would make these comments. So it's not like they had to learn not to do it or they were like, oh, she's right, what an awful thing. They knew that, that's who they were, they were good people. Now what we have is live streamers and YouTubers who are able to speak to the same kind of audiences They've not been vetted. Like, they've not had to do job interviews. They've not had to answer to HR or anything like that. They can pretty much just say what they want. And although, like, that is, you know, it opens it up and you'll you'll find super talented people, it also means that the sort of darker side can also find a little voice as well, which I, I guess is kind of terrifying in a way. Then there is that double-edged sword that comes with being a personality on the internet, which is validation. And some people will find it in different places. And if they think they can find validation in something that, you know, could be hurtful to certain people, other people, but that's where they're finding their audience, their praise, their encouragement, it can feed 
that machine, that self-fulfilling need to continue to do it because you need that audience around you to grow. That big fish, small pond feeling. You've been in games for a while now in different roles. Like, do you think the way that women are treated has got better or worse? It's got better. I'm not not aware of some of the awful things that have happened in the last few years, Me Too movement. I'm, You know, from my experience, yes, I have seen things improve internally at large companies or at companies in general. It's not flawless, but I have definitely found myself feeling more heard, more respected. I don't know how to maybe say it, but my gender has mattered less in a good way. Now it's starting to get a little bit better. I've worked with, you know, large development teams where there's been an enormous number of women on staff, which you haven't realized. PR is very female dominated in the games industry as well. Marketing is now, I look at where I work and there's an awful lot of very talented female product marketing, brand marketing, digital marketing, you know, and they're all big gamers as well. You know, they're all there. I think it has got better. But it's only got better because we're starting to weedle out some of the more root causes or people who have been root causes. It's getting better now because we're, we're getting to the bottom of where it was coming from. I think from my side, yeah, it is getting better. I think as well, like the, the cool thing about this whole podcast and everything that we're trying to do at Sound is the reason that things are maybe starting to get better is because I think that people are way more armed with the correct terms and they know how to actually talk about things like if you know someone is being misogynistic in the workplace like you know time gone by you'd be like well that guy's just not very nice guy or he's a creep or whatever and it's really hard to sort of bring that to an HR person or talk about that publicly without the actual terms for it whereas now we have these terms like toxic masculinity and things like that and I think people will be like hey man no like it's not like you were being out of order it's oh no you're actually being misogynistic giving people these terms you're almost like arming people with a way of talking about things and bringing things to the front I think I think a little bit as well maybe in corporate land the slightly older generation maybe weren't as willing to maybe listen as well as some of the others there are some incredible upper management above me who are older than me generation above me that have been great are willing to learn and listen and there have been some that aren't and but they're moving out and through now so what you're getting is my generation are now managers so for a lot of it, a lot of the things I would see or feel and didn't agree with and maybe couldn't explain or weren't in a position to be able to complain about, because sometimes you're not when you're junior, you tow the company line, but in your head you go, but when I'm in charge, I'm not going to allow this to happen. I won't treat people the way I was treated. And that is what we're now starting to see is the, those juniors from 10 years ago are now heads of director of and they've gone not on my watch I couldn't change it before I couldn't explain it before and I couldn't fight it before but I will now create the environment I wish I had for those who are beneath me yeah and I, I think that's the thing is like I think people are a lot more confident about talking about things that are generally upsetting to them and people are connected in more ways than they've ever been and be like oh so-and-so feels like this that's how I feel oh awesome you know and it just makes that communication like so much better 
but then that's the good side of the internet, right? You know, we, we, we talked about how it can, you know, it's been a place for, you know, breeding of maybe not particularly nice opinions, but on the flip side, it's made emotions and feelings more accessible. You know, it's been easier to find large celebrities talking about, you know, opening up about feelings. It's been easier to have those conversations too. So that is the good side of these sort of things opening up, that it is easier to learn and to grow if that's what you want to do. You've got to be open to it. I've got the most patient man in the world at my side and we've been together about 10 years. So he was with me as I started my career and always oh, been along for the ride. Like he has seen me go <laughs> through it. And I, you know, and I think that was quite eye-opening for him. And, you know, he he again, a really great guy, always been about being supportive and being kind, but it was eye-opening to actually see some of the things that I would experience. And much like Nathan Robin Dave on Access, you know, he had to sit and listen and be like, babe, I had no idea it was like this. Yeah. It's a ride. Yeah. <laughs> I know you guys did a lot of like edited videos and things like that, but then there was like a huge shift towards like live streaming. Did you see sort of almost like a new breed of like toxic masculinity, like form out of the fact that people had live access to you? Actually, I admit it probably wasn't too bad for me where we had grown the access community. Now we had moderated quite heavily. I've always believed in moderation, even though it's not always nice to read. An old Bioware community manager, when I was first started, he told me that communities are like herb gardens. And if you want a really good, diverse garden, you've got to clip the mint back. If you leave the mint to grow, the mint will kill everything off and the mint will need no work. It'll be nice and easy, but you've only got mint. And it's the same for communities. You need to moderate in order to keep that toxicity at bay. Not getting rid of people's opinions, you're just keeping the toxicity at bay so that other people and opinions and freedoms can sort of, you know, communities can grow. And we had done really well on access. So what you'd tend to found is the community would self-moderate. If someone left a nasty comment, the community would downvote it, tell them to get lost, and it would sort of, you know, it was nice. So it meant that when I moved into live streaming, this community would, would form the bulk of what I did and would come with me. So I got lucky in that sense that I had established my career as a knowledgeable woman on the internet. I hadn't done anything that, you know, now clouds people judgment, you know, only fans were the thing back then, they were, you know, not in lewd cosplay, you know, the things that then people can use to justify being misogynistic women. So I was seen as one of the good examples. And the only thing I used to hate were people, men, sorry, would come into my chat and be like, so refreshing to see a woman who's dressed properly or a woman who's not oh. showing her breasts. And I'd just be like, get out. Get yeah. out. <laughs> it's not a compliment. It's not the compliment you think it is because you're only using it to put someone else down. Get out. It's a really interesting point, though, and it kind of like really fits into this whole campaign of like sounding out 
crap behavior and sort of like negative behavior but also with online communities i think the cool thing about and ours is similar it's a lot smaller community than playstation access or anything like that but i feel like we've cultivated a community of people who are incredibly accepting everything that we do is a, is a safe space and you know people know how we feel about masculinity people know how we feel about sexuality people know all this because they're part of our community you know and you know now and again we do get people when something will break through and get really popular and then we'll get a load of new people you know and people might say sort of like out of order things in the comments and that and uh, like before we can even get to it our community will be like hey man that's not what we do here like that's not what it's about and it's almost like sounding out your mates and being like now nah, that's not what we're about around here yeah and we as a team very early on have made that sort of decision of like i'd rather have less views but better people and you would then find certain people as soon as you call them out would be like uh I'm really sorry. I was just trying to be funny. I, that's fine. And they'd hang around actually, and they'd be really nice part of the community. And then what they do is the next time someone tried it, they'd be the first one to be like, it's not like that around here, mate. And it was honestly best thing to watch happen in real time. We were like, that's that education. That person was given that opportunity to, to be told, no, mate, not around here. They went, okay, we won't do that anymore. And then they were telling other people, we, that's not cool to say, mate. I think that's like the perfect way of it happening. And I think like it can happen with online communities, but it also happen with like your friends as well. Like, I feel like there's a way of calling people out and there's a way of bringing up conversations about things that doesn't have to be this sort of like, you have messed up, that's it, you're done. You know, there's a way of going to people like, no, this is actually how we would, you know, prefer people to act. And you should be talking about things in this way. And then it's up to people then to make the decision to either grow and take that on board or not be part of that. Yes. It's like sitting your mates down and being like, that's not cool. Has anyone ever told them before? Maybe their behavior is because that's the people around them. And that's what they were used to hearing or that's what got a laugh. And, and obviously that's that kind of positive reinforcement of that behavior. Has anyone ever just said, nah, actually, mate, that's not cool to say? Like, have they been given that opportunity? Honestly, I think sometimes it is nice to give people an opportunity to listen, learn and grow. But of course, there will always be moments where you're like, yeah, there's no coming back from this one, mate. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I, th I think things like this and things like this podcast and, you know, is giving people a way of talking about things in a, a much easier way and making those conversations easier to have. Yeah. And I think, again, around my age group, you know, we grew up with the internet. We, we came of age on the internet. So I look back at maybe some of the jokes that were popular maybe on websites like Destructoid when I was in my early 20s. You'd never say those things now. And you will have that generation that is coming of age in a place where I wasn't worldly. I'm from a, I was from a small town in South Wales in a small high school. You know, you, I didn't have worldly knowledge, worldly views. The internet started to allow me to, A, make some mistakes because I bought my old small world mentality into the big field. But the internet also gave me the opportunity to, to listen and learn and to find new people with experiences and be like, oh, I understand now why we have to change the way we think or talk. I've stopped doing talks about being a woman in games because they're usually two women. 
I'd be interviewing developers and I'd show it right like E3, mate. And I'd be showing them my notebook. Being like, here's all my notes I made. Here's what I want to have a conversation with you about. And they li- what literally looked to me is like, oh, I didn't realize you actually liked games. I thought you were just one of those hired female presenters. And you're like, mate, I'm not. Like, okay, great. So I had to, you know, straight out the gate, you know, get rid of all of this. And you keep telling young women about these experiences. And I was just scaring them. And I was making them think that this is what, you know, if you want a career, you have to toughen up because you're going to have to deal with these comments too. The reality is you are probably going to if you have a forward-facing role, but it's not, it's not the crux of it. And it's very much more manageable and easy to do now than it was. Not nice, and I'm not saying it is, but like this idea that if you want to be in games, you have to deal with all of this. So I just stopped talking about I decline panels left, right, and center. And this is the first time I've talked about it again because the topic was talk about your struggle. It was more like exploring how we can learn and grow. And it, it honestly, it's harrowing talking to young women when you tell them about what it was like coming through as a YouTuber as a woman. And it's not an accurate reflection of the industry. And I just got, I just got sick of upsetting and putting people off. Yeah. Like one one of the sort of conclusions I keep coming to like recently as well is like like I, I don't mind con- like confrontation or and I can get into confrontations with people but I've started definitely to learn that sometimes there's a lot more harm than good as well. But learning how and when to have that conversation is a skill in itself because not everybody wants to listen, not everybody wants to be told, or if they do, it is how and when is appropriate, and that in in of itself is a skill and it can be exhausting to feel like you've now got to take it on yourself to go and explain to people why that's not cool. And it can be, especially as a woman with my experience, which is sometimes I'm just trying to, I'm just a little bit sick of trying to explain why maybe I, that's not cool. Yeah. And sometimes you want to go, you want to help. And there's other times you just go, mate, I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to explain to you again or explain again. Why? maybe writing three sentences of what you want to do to me sexually really explicit is a compliment yeah because that's the other thing a lot of it is like oh you know people calling you fat and ugly or you you rubbish at your job it's the weird sex stuff as well that people actually see oh but that means they're attracted to you that's a compliment it's absolutely not mate Never has been, never will be. Yeah, I think I think as well as like, like you say, like you know, man, women are tired of this, and as you say, like you know, you're tired of preaching to the the, the same people. And I think things like this podcast, I think, is a good way of men talking to men and being like, listen, <laughs> there's more that we can be doing, and there's more conversations that we could be having, and I think that's really important. And I will say this: the men who step up and have said to other men especially that's not cool don't do that you cannot imagine how much I appreciate that because it's clear they weren't going to listen to me the comment was the nasty comment the misogynistic comment in whatever direction it went was already aimed at me it's not going to be me or another woman that they're going to change their opinion or their mind but they will respect it if it comes from a man more than if it comes from me trying to defend myself, because then it's like they want to get into an argument with me. I don't want to get into an argument with you. I don't care, mate. I'm fine. Me and my 1.7 million subscribers and my dream job take, I'm, I'm good, pun. Yeah. Me and my faithful <laughs> cover games TM and my multiple awards, I'm okay. My career will be fine. But 
I've always appreciated when other men have stepped in to come up to bat for me. It's not that I couldn't do it. I'm just exhausted. (laughs) I'm tired. But you can tag in if you think you can help. And respect me in the process, by the way. I'm still not being objectified in all of this. But um, it is when male members, especially of the access community, would step up and be like, don't speak to her or any woman like that. I would be like, thank you. I really appreciate that you then put yourself in the firing line of comments like white knight, simp, um, because you felt it was the right thing to do and because you probably saw that I was just a little sick of getting this. Amazing. Ah, Holly. Well, I feel like we come to an amazing end in there. (laughs) Oh man, I had an absolute blast chatting to you. That was so good. That was the amazing Holly Bennett. And if you want to hear more about what we're trying to do with Sound Cymru, you can check us out on Instagram at Sound Cymru or at gov.wales slash sound.